0: The eSoccer Women's World Cup podcast, sponsored by Cadbury. For grassroots to national level, a supporter and a half of women's football in Ireland.
1: Turn the world around. Shut the show. Down. All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Women's World Cup podcast. Raf Diallo here. Time flies and we're already at the semi-final stage with co-hosts Australia, England, Spain and Sweden. Left standing, which means we are guaranteed a first time winner at this year's tournament. And of course, every remaining match in this year's uh, edition is live on RT2 and the RT player, including, of course, the two semi-finals over the next couple of days and also uh, the final. And I'm joined by Ireland international Megan Campbell to talk about the quarterfinals and also to look ahead to the semis. And Megan, I have to say, the quarterfinals—they were gripping across all four of them.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I—I I don't think the the Spain Netherlands game was obviously very tight. The late, late equaliser for for the Netherlands pushing it extra time. Um, I did think Spain probably had the overall better chances in the game, um, bar the one that um Netherlands put straight over the bar from close range. Um, but aside from that, I I I felt like Spain had were in much control. Um, obviously their first semi final as well in this competition, so you could see the emotion on their faces after that uh, qualification. And then, to be fair, my upset of the quarter final was I think Sweden against Japan. I was expecting it. Um, I watched Japan had a lot of the ball, um, created some good chances, but the height difference and the set pieces shone through for Sweden. And obviously the penalty and uh and the 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 chaos in the box that led from a free kick, which was ultimately their first goal. So, yeah, I think Spain Spain against um, Spain against Sweden in, in one side of the bracket, and then you look at the other side and you've got um, Australia played out France. And, I mean, an unbelievable contest. Uh, the keepers played phenomenally well for both teams, I think, to push it all the way to penalties. It was a credit to them and it was quite unusual to see probably for the first time in this tournament and very rare you would normally see a keeper being substituted in for just the penalties for France so that was quite interesting to see and obviously she wasn't um, she wasn't to be in terms of the hero in in that respect but it's a lot of pressure for someone to probably take on on board um, their shoulders to, to come in just at the penalty stages and you know have to you know get France through to the semi-finals and Um, So, yeah, that was unfortunate, but obviously a thriller in terms of penalties and stuff. Uh, So, that went a long way. Um, Great for the host nation, obviously, to get to the semi-final. And then England-Colombia, obviously a tougher test than probably uh, most would have expected. Uh, Colombia, obviously, scoring ahead, probably against the run of play in terms of getting the first goal and... I thought it took a deflection to be fair when I first looked at it seeing it live and then you look it back and it, it didn't actually take anything it just looped up over Mary Earth, which is probably unaware of a, it's like a cross shot as they call it um, and then yeah England come out and it's it's probably the first time I've seen the grit and the desire and the heart like not the hard work because England always have the hard work but the 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 desire of we're going to win these battles that when it got physical they were well up to the challenge and um, I seen some unbelievable last minute defending that I, I remember one distinct tackle from Alex Greenwood where Millie Bryce won the ball and the players broke through about to shoot on goal from a close tight angle and out of nowhere Alex has come and stuck her leg out and I think that's a different side to to England that you probably haven't had to see before um, and obviously uh, a great performance by Lauren Hemp I thought was probably our best performance this this tournament so far so saving the best till till the later rounds is always a good thing and Lesley Russo popping up again with another another tidy finish so yeah i think on, on aside from the Japan Sweden game i expected the results um so yeah not too many shocks
1: yeah, and uh, I mean, going back to the Spain-Netherlands game, as you said, it was uh, it was a tight, tight one. I know you tipped Spain to get through, and as they did, um, it went all the way to extra time, obviously, but the, the player who made the difference was Salma Pariuelo, who plays for Barcelona now. Interesting background in that she used to be a sprinter, I think, and then sort of also split her time, also uh, playing football for Villarreal before joining Barcelona and is now a Champions League winner. Not somebody we've seen a huge amount in the tournament in terms of goals, but uh, it just shows the amount of talent that Spain have at their disposal, especially when you consider that Alexia Puteas, her Barcelona teammate and one of the best players in the world, again, uh, didn't start that game.
0: Yeah, massive. The, the depth within Spain's squad is phenomenal. And obviously with everything that went on before the tournament and then players making themselves now available to play within the tournament and being selected to then play. And, you know, that would have took a lot of uh, time and effort as well within the team squad dynamic to try and, you know, get that togetherness again, because yes, they would have known of each other and played with each other for years and years, but then there was a quite long time where they hadn't played together. And it doesn't look like that way when they're on the stage, uh, on the big, big stage, you know, playing in massive games and they're able to perform at such a high level having not, Probably played with each other for such a long time, um, and all that dynamic that had gone on behind the scenes. So, yeah, and then you you obviously alluded to the, the the goal scorer who ended up winning the game, and yeah, a great tidy finish into the into the bottom corner. I actually thought the defending probably from the Dutch was. Uh, maybe tired legs you could say um, to put it nicely um, but you know showing her onto her favourite left foot you probably want to keep her onto her right foot and they gave her the whole goal unfortunately and um, she took advantage of that so a great finish yeah
1: Yeah and then you mentioned the set piece threat that Sweden were going to have against Japan and we saw that and it's uh, Amanda Illichstedt, who's obviously signed for Arsenal in June and she's having a stormer of a tournament, this is I think four goals now as a a centre-back and it's not not just Japan that have suffered, (laughs) she's been consistent throughout the
0: tournament. Yeah, four and six is it, uh, which is absolutely incredible for a centre-back to be scoring so many goals uh, in a major tournament, you're not you're not, like you said, reliant on those type of players or usually reliant on those type of players to come up with the with the goals. Um, but obviously when called upon, she's she's doing her job and um keeping them out at one end and scoring on the other. Um but set pieces were always going to be crucial, I think, in this game with the height difference, which was a massive sign you could see from the start of the game that the, the height difference even in the lineups um was just incredible. And then um I knew Japan would have a lot more of the ball. Um Unfortunate, I thought actually with the penalty because when it comes in, it takes a, a deflection off the player's head two yards away from Fukanagano. And having previously played with her, I know that she's not that type of player to, um, you know, be cynical in that sense. But maybe on on one of the replays, it shows where she kind of sticks her hand out. But uh, until that point, I thought it was very harsh in, in the sense of you know when from two yards away. What what are you expected to do? But again, Sweden took um, full control of that and slotted the penalty away nicely and it was actually quite a close affair as well in the last 10-15 minutes well 15 plus when I'm including the extra time um, because obviously Japan got the penalty missed it but then off the rebound scored and well on the next phase of play and um, yeah they had another close call, call where it come up off the keeper's back and off the post so yeah it was um, frantic I'd say for uh, for Sweden towards the end of the game but they hung on and obviously through to, their, to the semi-final.
1: Yeah, and they'd done the work uh, prior to that frantic finish, as you mentioned, and uh, they they seem to press really well. I know their managers talked about them being sort of like bumblebees in that, that match because, of course, Japan are really technical and Sweden seemed to rely on their physicality and also not giving too much uh, time on the ball to the Japanese players. I think there was also a thing with Fridolina Rolfo tucking in instead of staying out wide, tucking in and trying to block that space as well.
0: Yeah, forcing Japan to play wide was obviously a strength of theirs because they knew if the ball came wide and then crosses into the box, defending Sweden's point of view, it's a lot easier than if, you know, Japan are doing the nitty gritty technical stuff through the center of the pitch. So it it seemed to work a lot better for for Sweden to force them wide than to create the opportunities for Japan or to force them into, you know, wide opportunities rather than than central. And, you know, uh, Japan's, for all the technical ability that they had, they didn't really have a lot. When it came to getting crosses in the box, like then Sweden had obviously forced them into, the height wasn't there, the numbers wasn't probably in the box, especially first half. So they did struggle in that sense, but it's all credit to Sweden and their tactical, you know, lineup and setup.
1: Yeah, and then from the Australia point of view, of course, uh, an absolutely fascinating uh, epic of a match with with France. And the the thing with Australia, though, and notably in the knockout stage, I don't know what you think, but do they seem to be fairly slow starters in the early part of the game? Then they seem to they find their feet, and then they they seem to build into a game. Then
0: yeah, I wouldn't. I would like to know if you know the crowd and stuff like that, and the occasion, and playing in the home nation, and and that pressure that they probably feel on them. Um, from the fans looking on is maybe as they come out you know it's a big occasion it's the first time now that they've ever qualified for a semi-final so they shouldn't really have the pressure on them in that sense because they're not probably expected to they probably weren't before this point expected to win or, or to get this far in the competition but now as they've gone on game by game the pressure's probably increasing and increasing and the fans are following and it's amazing the videos that I've seen over the last few days coming in where people are watching on airplanes, like the rugby and stuff had stopped to watch the penalty kicks and uh the big screens in, in um in the in Australia. So yeah, it's probably that the pressure of the fans and things have maybe made them start a bit slower. But I it's nerve wracking, I'd say, the emotion of coming out in front of all the home fans and having to perform at the highest never mind you're playing against France um in a quarter final of a World Cup. So yeah, maybe a little bit slow, but I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter how you win. Once you win, and and Australia have done that so far this tournament and
1: doing it quite well. Yeah, and if there's nerves in the ninety minutes, and then in extra time, the penalty shootout, the amount of times I thought like Australia had, especially when Mackenzie Arnold was standing over her penalty, um, having made the made a save earlier on, you thought, ah, oh, this is done and dusted. Of course, then France uh, take control. Um, I don't know what you thought about the moment. Uh, so that she makes the she makes the save uh, on Kenza Daly um, in in sudden death. And then it gets called back because she's way off her line. And then she makes the save again. And I don't know, did you catch um, the look on her face as she kind of glared at the referee afterwards, after the second save?
0: Yeah, I've seen a picture a still of it on uh, Twitter. And it was almost like she's had a stare down with the referees to say like, fill me once, I'll, I'll get you back again and kind of thing. And I mean, fair play to her stepping up and, uh, you know, going a second time and making a double save. Um, but I thought like it was incredible from her as well to, she, stopped, she stepped up to take the penalty obviously missed it and then then went back in goal and had an unbelievable performance to then help get her through um which for me I'm like you've got to have nerves of steel to be able to step up have the responsibility of taking a penalty and if you miss it then if you're still relied upon your, your job's not done kind of thing like as a player and an outfielder when you take your penalty and you miss it's like okay well hopefully someone else gets me out of the bag but it, the keeper took it she missed and then it's like okay Arnold now you got to step up again and make another save and she did and I thought she was incredible all night with some of the saves that she made it in real time and then obviously in the penalty shootout as well
1: yeah, and you mentioned uh, the the change France made, of course, which is in something that often happens in terms of you know changing a goalkeeper and putting on what would be deemed a, a penalty shootout specialist. So Duran came on, made a couple of good saves in, in the shootout, uh, replacing Payroll and Magnin. But I was think, just thinking from the Australia point of view, and maybe if you were in the shoes of some of their players and you see that substitution being made, and I guess underneath that subconsciously, you know it's being done with the shootout in mind that this is a penalty shootout specialist. I guess it's like a psychological bit of play, also from the the from you know the Hervey Renard and the the French staff as well. It almost puts a little bit of doubt, maybe in the uh, in the opposition.
0: Yeah, you could look at it that way. Or to be to be fair, myself personally, I would think right. You've got doubt within your players, and um, there's that not trust element. But you've taken one goalkeeper off to replace you for another. So yes, you probably think highly of this keeper in terms of penalty saves. But then you obviously don't think the same about the keeper that was in the net for the 90 minutes and has got them all the way to the penalty shootout so it's also quite a a weird dynamic where as a player you can look at it both ways you can think okay this is obviously they've brought their better player their better keeper in now for the penalty shootout but at the same time you could also look at it and think well this is a great like opportunity for us because she's not played in in the game so far like the occasion and everything we can we're in full control here we've got the crowd behind us everything so the pressure's on her. um ultimately that's shone through yeah i, I also bet, think yeah. like two two of the penalties like courtney vines and sam cares were actually not in the corner they were actually quite close to her but the fact that you've got to go all well, I, I don't know personally because i'm not a keeper but to be in that instance of having to go up and then down to make the save the fact that the, the shot went in quite close to her body i wonder does that have an influence on, on your diving um not abilities but the way you dive because Normally you would probably go out straight, but then you have to go up and down and you've obviously missed that, um, missed the element of the, yeah, I thought, I thought the, two, the two penalties weren't amazing penalties, but they've obviously gone in under the body of the keeper. So, um, yeah, it was a strange one, but they all count once they hit the back of the net. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the, the, I think there's the the rule of thumb. If the, it's a good penalty, if it goes in, and no matter <laughs> no matter how it's kicked, and there's a bad one if, if it doesn't, uh, no matter how good uh, an, an attempt it is. But just on the England point of view, so Jonathan Lew and the Guardian had a good piece in terms of how Georgia Stanway is probably representative of what this England team is. So she does the combative side of the game, which was seen against Colombia, but then she's the one who plays that pass to Alessia Russo for the for what turns out to be the winning goal. So like her as a player, I mean, um, she, I guess from your point of view as well, she is kind of representative of both sides of what England are.
0: Yeah, she would have loved that game against Colombia because I know she loves the physical side of the game and being able to get in a nice rough 50-50 tackles is, is part of Georgia's game. I think anyone in the WSL will tell you like going into a tackle with Georgia, she's feisty. She's a feisty character and um even in training she doesn't hold back i know that for, from my own <laughs> from my own experiences but um yeah she would have loved that but also then on the same on the other side of it she had a yellow card as well am i right in saying that and so she had to be very careful to then you know not get another book and in terms of missing the semi final so she lived really on the edge of, of, of it in that game in terms of physicality but she's very good at breaking up play very good at reading the game and she's very also very good at like linking up with the elatos the lesser Chosen, and finding them threading passes through the centre of the pitch and obviously for the for the second goal for Alessio Russo it gets a fortunate bounce yes off the defender but the way that Alessio Russo holds the defender off and rolls are almost you know gives it that advantage so that when it does break she's first to the ball and the the pass from Georgia the weight everything was perfect Um, and she's you know she's renowned for her passing ability as well and shots from distance and um, technical ability, but yeah, she's been she's been outstanding in this tournament for England, and she's had to step up, you know, because she's been relied upon uh, in the central role when Kira missed out, and she had to then fill in that spot. And you've obviously got other players who are missing in terms of the likes of Frank Kirby, um, in the ten probably from the Euros. So then now having to step up and be that ninety-minute player for the whole tournament. So I think she stepped in and she's done a really good job.
1: Yeah, and then on the Colombia point of view, before we turn towards the semi-finals, so they're one of many teams that have used this World Cup as a sort of breakthrough or have enjoyed a breakthrough in this tournament. Um, you know, there's others that went out in the last sixteen who had been there for the first time. Um, just on Colombia themselves, I mean, they'll they'll be hoping that this is only the start of something, obviously, and. You know, I guess a lot of countries have issues with uh, federations, as we've seen in terms of funding and otherwise. But um what did you make of them over the tournament? Because there, there's a couple of like, I suppose, breakout world stars there. The likes of Caicedo I think, will probably yeah. be somebody will we'll see again maybe at, at future World Cups and also at a um, club level where she's at Real Madrid. But there's there's other players in that squad that stood out as well.
0: Yeah, Santos for me was incredible the whole tournament for for Colombia, and I think just. As a neutral, I was gutted to see them go out because they brought such energy, a physical side, different side of the game that probably uh, other teams didn't have, and they just fight for each other and that togetherness. It was so evident on the pitch, and it brought out such uh, not like they were so enthusiastic and you know determined on the field, and it was just brilliant to watch them and um, very good technical players. Like que- Casado is just an incredible player for such a young player as well to play in her third World Cup in one year, um, you know, after everything that she'd gone on previously with health matters and also within the tournament too, you know, um, it following the collapse, obviously,
1: I think, at the, yeah, in the training, twice it, Yeah, twice or something
0: in training, yeah. yeah. So for me, like, to then step up and still be able to perform at the highest level um, in a World Cup biggest stage and everyone's reliant on you is, you know, they can be so proud of themselves for their individual performances, but collectively as a team, I think that we're definitely going to see a lot more of them. And also from a fan point of view, it brought so many fans that the Colombian fans were incredible. You know, the noise that they made from minute one to minute, I don't know, 120 um, and then 90, you know, how many minutes they, whatever minutes they played, the fans never stopped. And, and it was incredible to see. And I would have made it a lot tougher for their opponents as well. And, you know, the, the mighty stance of beating Germany. Um, to one as well that would have been something that they can treasure and take away from, from this tournament and it's like you said it's a catalyst now for them to build on and they want to come back probably in the next World Cup and, and improve on that um, but an in, in incredible feat by them definitely.
1: Yeah, and then of course the semi finals and the final will all be live on RT2 and the RT player, with the first semi final between Spain and Sweden, 9 a.m. Irish time on Tuesday, and then Australia, England, 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Now, in terms of Spain, Sweden, I think it's the template's going to be pretty um, simple, I guess, in some ways. I guess Spain will dominate possession, and then Sweden will probably relish the other side of the game in terms of pressing and making it hard like they did to Japan.
0: Yeah, it will probably be a similar game for, for Sweden. They've probably got that experience now from playing against Japan in terms of we might not have a lot of the ball, but when we take our chances, we've got to be clinical and um, they've got to be on it on their day. Um, the likes of obviously Rolfo, Blackstenius and, and Aslani through the middle, they've got to be able to put those chances away when called upon because I don't see them having a lot of possession. I think Spain will definitely dominate. And then on the other end, they've got to prevent Spain from from their technical tactical you know abilities all over the field and no matter who Spain play you know they're going to be a threat so it's definitely going to be a, a, a brilliant match a brilliant watch Um, but I definitely I, I think I see Spain coming out um, with the win into the final
1: yeah and they would meet if they get through England or of course the co-host Australia Sam Kerr uh, of course contributed well after coming on against France uh, later on the game still is sort of working her way back um, do you expect her to start? Because at some stage, I guess there there must be. She's the you know she's their standout star. She's the face of the tournament in many ways. But we've only seen cameos, and you know there's a you know the the dream of getting to a World Cup final will obviously obviously be there for all of them. But I guess if they want to get there, they need their best players on pitch, and they've got as far as they have without her having a huge role. But I'd imagine the the dice will have to be thrown at some stage.
0: Yeah, I think you've got to take into account too the fact that they may may or may not go to extra time and so then would she be able to you know, handle that extra 30 minutes if if called upon, um, if she was to start? Um, but for me, I think they've done so well, like you said, Raph, without her for the whole tournament and they've got to this point without having to really rely on the likes of Sam Kerr, but she also brings that presence off the field, like all her teammates have said in interviews and, and things, listening to them, they said that regardless of her being on the field or not, she's still such a massive influence on us as a team. Um, But also I think it's it's brilliant to see the difference that she makes when she's coming on, the fans, the screaming, the the hype that it brings. So it might actually be influential to keep her on the bench until the moment that maybe they do need her and that could change the game, you know, like it gets you, the crowd riled up if they're a little bit quiet within, within the game, if it's like a nil-nil a or a close encounter, one-nil England or something, I think. It might be important to maybe you know keep her on the bench and bring her on as that influential influential player. Um, but it's it's all to play for definitely, and it's definitely I think it's going to be a tight affair
1: yeah how, how do you expect the tactics to play out because of course England have been playing with a sort of back three and then um obviously Alessia Russo leading the line and Lauren Hemp uh, in and around her as well and the the interesting thing Australia I think are the only team to have beaten England while Serena Wiegmann has been in, has been in charge it was a 2-0 win back in April and Australia played on the counter and uh, did very well obviously it's a friendly it's hard to posit how that yeah. will will come out in a in a competitive game especially as we've said maybe the the nerves are there for Australia, especially early on in the game. But how do you expect it to play out in terms of the possession battle and who, which, what way they're going to set up?
0: Yeah, I think they'll, England will probably set up in the in the three again um, across the back line. I think Alex will stay on the left, Millie Bright and, and Jess Carter possibly um, with uh, Rach Daly and, and Lucy Bronze either side. But I think they've got to be aware, no doubt, of the threat that they have uh, that Australia pose in behind with the pace. You know, they've got Russell, they've got Caitlin Ford, and if Sam Kerr starts. They've got an out and out pacey forward um that obviously has caused a massive massive upset in and issues um in their friendly in, in May or June, I think it was when they did win the two nil. Um so I think they have to be aware of that threat. Um, but also they they started to, you know, bring that physical presence themselves on the on the the forward line for England. So I think it'll be definitely a close encounter and maybe through the centre of the pitch, the Gory versus the Kira Walsh slash Danway. Um that will be and Cooney Cross as well, who's who's been incredible and quite under underrated, I would say, player in the centre of the field for Australia. So I think the midfield battle will be will be key in this one. Obviously then both teams need to be clinical when given the opportunities and hopefully Mackenzie Arnold has another worldy of a game. I'm hoping that Australia Australia have it out.
1: Yeah, and I suppose the final point on Alessio Russo as well, as we mentioned earlier, and she got the winner against Colombia, but she's been under a little bit of pressure, as strikers generally um, are going into tournaments maybe when the goals are not flowing, but it seems like her role isn't... uh, Her role is more thankless in terms of making the runs and trying to open space rather than being that player in the box. Obviously if she can get opportunities, as she did in the quarterfinals, she can do that, but um, I guess um, she had a probably slightly easier role when they won the Euros, because um, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, Ellen White was starting at the time and she could come on as a super sub against tired legs.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot more pressure on it, like you said, off the back of the Euros and performing how she did. Then to be expected to step into the role after the back of a long season for Man United and uh, all the background press that went on about her leaving Man United and going to Arsenal. There was that massive hype about that pre-tournament. So I'm sure she's had a lot of external stresses um, that have come in. To her play and then having to then perform on the biggest stage. I think she's she's been quiet throughout the tournament probably more so than maybe people would have thought. Um, I think she's only scored two goals this tournament so far but like you said, she is still a threat and I think when she looks to the likes of playing against Australia, against Hunt, against um, Alana Kennedy who she's obviously familiar with playing against uh, Man City, I think for her she'll probably have the upper hand, definitely um, but it's going to be a close and tight affair between the two between the two um I mean the defensive line versus less Russo. but if she can tire them out and, and link up the play between Elatouna and Georgia Samway in the tens then I think they'll have a they'll have a tough day Australia trying to keep them out
1: yeah as you said um you expect Spain to, to edge Sweden out but um if you were to call it for the other semifinal in terms of what uh who'll be uh, who'll be playing on Sunday um, what way are you going?
0: I think it's going to be a very I think it's going to be a tough game. Um it's hard to call. Um I don't think there'll be like a 3-4-1 one for one team or the other. Um but I'm hoping that it's a Spain Australia final that's yeah. where my where my head's
1: at yeah that's what I'm hoping <laughs> for yeah yeah fair enough uh, and I, I'd say in terms of the Australian fans would we'll definitely love that especially on, on home soil and then hopefully Sam Kerr will be uh, fully healed in terms of being able to, to play in a World Cup final but we'll see how that goes anyway as I said every match live on RT2 and the RT player but Megan Campbell thanks very much for your time
0: no problem thank you Raf. and a half likes shares comments
1: and tweets cadbury sponsors rte soccer women's world cup podcast